0: Hello and welcome to Buildings of Tomorrow. My name is John Lester and in today's episode we are talking about making smart buildings real. I'm joined by Henning Sanford. He is the CEO of Siemens Smart Infrastructure Building Products. Henning, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Well, excited to be here today, John. Thank you.
0: We're excited to have you. Uh, and today we're talking about this topic, which is such an important thing for us uh, at, at, at Building Products, but also an important thing for us as a, as a as a society to really make some changes in what we do today. It's We're all about smart buildings. W- what does smart buildings mean for you?
1: Well, there's, uh, from my perspective, no such thing like the smart building. It's never yeah. the same for two customers, right? So I see basically the three main values of a smart building. It's about individual people's needs, It's about the goals of the businesses and the environment, and thereby the generations to come. So as an example, I mean, as a user, I want to be able to adapt temperature and lighting to my personal preferences. And ideally, I even want the building to know and adjust. While I said as an operator, I want to have transparency control about our systems and meaningful means to optimize them. And what they have in common is their expectation for an easy and fluent user experience and that's where smart building technology comes into play. So the question is less what is smart building is, but rather what needs the building to cater for. So based on that, concepts and technologies throughout the labster can then be applied to help fulfill these visions and goals.
0: Yeah, right. you mentioned there really quickly goals, and, and also in those three points, we talked about the users, we talked about the business. Give us a little bit of insight about what these goals are.
1: Yeah, well, if we take a step back and look at the, the world population growing to almost 10 billion people by 2050, with a huge portion living in cities and urban areas, the world will definitely need more buildings to accommodate and a much smarter infrastructure to support the communities. And if we think about it, the UN stated we spent 90% of our lives in buildings. That's almost 22 out of 24 hours each day, and not only in a home office setting. Um, and at some point, We also hope that uh, not only in home office and schools and universities we stay, but also again in hotels and offices. So it's a tremendous amount of time that we spend in the built environment. And of course all these different buildings are different and their stakeholders, users, owners, facility managers all have different expectations on them, ranging from providing health, safety and well-being for the people using them, make people feel home and safe in their communities, allowing for instance students or employees to be productive and step forward with their own goals and visions to cost productivity and asset efficiency and the individual goals of the businesses using that real estate be it uh, effective and efficient use of building space um, productivity of the people as well as efficiency gains regarding energy and processes to save cost protecting assets along its lifetime as well as business continuity and thirdly, it's all about energy efficiency and um, environmental goals to reduce the energy demands and CO two emissions to help protect our planet.
0: Yeah, I understand. We touched on a lot of things there. We have we have this huge expanding population globally. Urbanisation is driving it. We spend so much of our time in buildings, whether it's uh, whether when we're at home or we're at work. Uh, you know those buildings have a direct impact on the users they have a direct impact on the ability of the businesses that use those buildings or are based within those buildings and then the last point that you touched on there which I'd like to dig into a little bit deeper is about sustainability because you know we know that climate change is happening we know that we need to make changes we have goals we have expectations that we need to meet how important are buildings for the, for meeting these goals? And how does, how does sustainability and decarbonisation fit into this smart building story?
1: That's a really important question. Thanks, John. I'm looking at the energy efficiency side. Let's take the European Union as an example. The EU strives to make Europe the first climate-neutral continent by 2050. But if you look into today's world, according to the European Commission, 75% of all buildings in the EU are energy inefficient today. And still less than 1% on average is renovated each year, so imagine. So in order to meet the objectives, the current rates of renovation should at least double. That's what the EU stated, and that might not be enough. Mm. In the US, the building sector is by far the largest energy consumer. And uh, they state that although the energy efficiency space has been mounting gains over the past several decades, the US still has vast untapped efficiency potential um, that uh, technologies can activate. So why companies will drive and support implementation of regulations, such as the EPBD in Europe, there's more to it. Sustainability demands for change in many dimensions. It's about operational transparency and risk management. It's about the CO2 footprint along the whole supply chain, also for us as, uh, as manufacturers. Um, and it's all about education and learning especially key in the building space, where you need to combine the deep domain of how along the different trades. And at the same time, we need to jointly master the digitalization. Now, sustainability is not only about goals, it's also about taking actions. And many companies have uh, committed, uh, Siemens has has committed to become energy neutral by 2030. Um, We support customers worldwide to reduce their carbon footprint and contribute to fighting climate change um, with our offering. But for sure, we're also addressing our own operations. Uh, So for instance, uh, uh, Siemens commits to making our smart infrastructure headquarters based in Souk in Switzerland carbon neutral by 2023. It's our largest uh, location in Switzerland. It's a showcase for smart buildings that combine innovative building technology and renewable energy to achieve efficiency and decarbonization. And it's a true reference project. Um, So it's a it's a main office building and a factory, both opened just recently in 2019, and already in the first year, we uh, managed the reduction of 60% compared to previous. So it's it is not not only a question of ambition setting, it's also of taking actions.
0: Yeah, and, and actions I think is a really important one because. You mentioned just then 2023, this is not so far away. Uh, you also mentioned 75% of building stock, if we look at Europe as an example, is not is not automated properly, is not efficient. And if we renovate at 1%, that's going to take us 75 years. This is not going to be good enough for us to get to where we need to be. So not just action, but also speed in action is something that we need to look at. Uh, now, you mentioned there the the... The, the campus in, in Switzerland uh, and the commitment for 2023, um, not only the showcase for smart building technologies, but also renewable energy to reach this carbon neutrality. Uh, I can imagine that if you achieve both of these, you know, you're, you're able to leverage the technology to be more efficient, as well as leverage that green energy. It's a bit of a win-win. You know, the, this, this delivers not just those social benefits that we know we need to reach, Uh, but also cost savings and benefits for the business that are driving and using this facility as an example um, to try and achieve these goals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as we discussed, um, I mean, it's not a cookie cutter approach. So you really need to look into, a smart building is not the same for every customer. So you need to look into the individual situation. Its savings, potentials and impacts depend largely on the individual starting point and the ambition level and the use of the real estate. But regardless of the individual situations, just remember two thirds of buildings are run inefficiently today, so there's no option to not drive change.
0: No, no option to not drive change, but definitely an opportunity for, for us to do things better. Uh, you mentioned their starting points. I'd, I'd like to dig into that a little bit because you know, like we mentioned already, two thirds of the buildings not done properly, 75% of the buildings run inefficiently. Yep. Um, this means that it, it's not enough also for us to focus on our new buildings. It's not enough to focus on, on key infrastructure. We have to also address different starting points. Give us a little bit more detail in what you mean by these different starting points.
1: Yeah, you alluded to one of the key, key drivers, which is the difference in brownfield and greenfield. Um, but uh, as much as technology is introduced, uh, especially through greenfield projects, in the building industry is absolutely critical to master Brownfield as well so that's one dimension of it the other question is how much automation safety and security investments have been made in the past and how well is the system architecture ready to connect and to get meaning out of operation data flows and uh, well I mean we come out of a very challenging phase in our industry and well in society and um, the investment readiness is is, is critical, right um, So you have real estate that's not being used by by people or it's much less used. Um, mm-hmm. So on the one hand side there's a great opportunity to upgrade and prepare for the future at the same time, there risk that someone cannot really predict um, on how demands will develop and how um, utilization of the real estate will look like. So to go on the journey, you need to not only understand the type of use in the future and the type of flexibility you need, you also need to know your real status quo. And sometimes that's already the challenge to get an up-to-date picture of your as-is situation. And then you need to mix it with the understanding of your direction you're heading towards um, with your individual targets. I understand. Just one, one more p- point, I guess, regardless of the starting point, what is it decisive is that we work together with our customers as well as partners in the industry, being at OEMs, uh, technology or service provider. and That also includes um, that we need to jointly understand the digital readiness in the start, but also understand the right sequence of steps on how we can move forward. And based on that joint direction that we set ourselves then together, we can detail out required projects and solutions over time. And this can be, will be, and most probably needs to be incremental.
0: Yeah, Uh, Yeah, And that's a really good point as well, to know that everyone needs to be involved in that conversation once you, not only to, to build that as is, Picture to know where you are and really have that clarity, but then understand what the next steps are over the next year, the next two years, the next 10 years to really get to that ultimate goal. Uh, a, a quick clarification, you mentioned Brownfield and Greenfield. For those out there listening, when we talk about Brownfield-Greenfield, we talk um, Greenfield as new construction, new buildings starting from scratch and Brownfield uh, an existing building or, or perhaps even a building that's been renovated, but it is is already there on, in place and on site. Um, you mentioned there very quickly when we were talking about the journey and getting uh, the right partners, uh, having the right conversations about setting up the steps for today and tomorrow. Sometimes it's difficult to know what's happening tomorrow. I think if we we all went back two years, we wouldn't imagine that uh, 2020 and, and this year would have been the same. H- how do we go about planning for the future when we know we can't know everything?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean. If we look at last year, buildings had to be repurposed within days to allow for taking care of, um, of uh, patients and others. Um, but that means we want the technology to just cater for those needs and still provide safe and healthy environments. Um, so in general, the crisis we're going through right now is imposing all those challenges at the same time on us. Mm-hmm. Significant changes in how we use our buildings. And uh, also without the crisis, customers have seen strong fluctuations of usage and a significant increase in required transparency in both the operational conditions in the building as well as the occupant behavior and presence because that gives the opportunity to actually truly optimize short-term with regard to uh, energy and long-term also in the type of buildings you you need and the the type of use that uh, we need to cater for. Let me give you some examples. I mean, office spaces had to massive be massively rearranged to allow for physical distance or to cater for different use, from deep work to more collaborative and creative work. Looking at hospitals, on the one hand side they had to handle massively more patients in some areas and ensure separation between different groups. At the same time, many hospitals faced financial challenges and they have to look into ways to drive efficiency in the operations. and here, intelligent building automation can really have a strong impact. And then you have those more underutilized spaces like airports, shopping malls, et cetera, and as an operator, you need to minimize the energy usage while maintaining these buildings from remote as healthy and safe places for those people who return, or you even want to repurpose those spaces temporarily for other use. So decisions on who to partner with need to take into account, not only our features and the service catalog, but really, truly a bigger picture idea. How do I run operational workflows? How do I structure my data to drive decision-making and optimization? How to build in connectivity for today's and tomorrow's remote service? Many of our customers ask themselves how they can take operational benefits from the increased use, for instance, of bidding information modeling, from the promises of analytics, IoT, and edge technologies.
0: All right, so, uh, Thanks for that because that was really good detail to, to expand the scope a little bit. So not to just think about the building as, as the, the the walls and the roof and, and the floor that is around us, but to start to involve it in that, almost that strategic decision from a business perspective. And when we look at, at risks or challenges that may come in the future, also recognize what the space around us needs to, to bring into that. It, that. That can be a challenging discussion. And, and this is not something that you can do uh, once and leave it this is something that's a bit of a
1: journey how,
0: how do we start on that journey how do we get going yeah
1: that's uh, that's a great question i mean besides the changing requirements that that we see we're having a very fragmented marketplace today with many stakeholders um, and these questions are, are different depending on what role you take in the process or in the lifecycle of a building
0: yeah no, I understand. I, it, I don't want to dive into all the stakeholders today. <laughs> Maybe one day in the future we can do that just because, absolutely. as you say, there's so many different ones and all of them really do have unique requirements. But there must be some common uh, common themes. There must be some connectors between them that give us at least a, a place to start where we know that it will start to, to address some of the requirements across that stakeholder group.
1: No, absolutely. And I mean, as much as it's key that we talk about the individual stakeholders' demands and needs, there's there's definitely com- common common ones. I mean, the basic question is how do I connect the real and the digital world? You want to create transparency about your systems, processes, and data. And I believe it starts with connectivity within and also to your sites because that's the true enabler of uh, many of the benefits. And then you look into available engineered and real-time data that will drive optimization and the true um, the true financial impacts. Um, for me, the question to ask is, how much of today's data do I use to optimize my building? I read a McKinsey study that estimated that oil and gas companies use like less than 1% of their vast data to take decisions. How will that look like in our industry? And more importantly, how can we change that? So translating this into operational decisions in a building, uh, you can compare it with empty pipes you place inside walls, right? Acknowledging that you don't know yet how exactly you'll use it but it saves real money down the road. And I think similarly, we need to plan um, uh, smart buildings down the road. And you also might want to take a life cycle view on your decisions on specification, supplier choice. What are future standards that will matter? And how can I reduce change over cost as real estate definitely has to become more adaptive?
0: Yeah, and I like that last word you used, adaptive, because this this addresses a little bit one of the questions from earlier, where we talked about how we make decisions for the future when we don't know what the future holds. It's about making those decisions using industry standards, uh, in, and you know, enabling and leveraging uh, flexible technology that gives us the best chance to absorb that challenge that will come along that we haven't even thought of yet. Uh, Henning, thanks so much. Before we finish, I'd like to give you the chance to just highlight a couple of of key questions. When we're talking about all these different stakeholders, we're talking about this journey, and and the fact that technology can be an enabler for us to take that journey successfully. What would you highlight from uh, you know for those listening to to really focus on or think about uh, if they're in that position and they have to start making decisions?
1: Yeah. I mean, personally, I, I do believe that technology is, with its increased adoption and the opportunities that we see, is definitely a key area to focus on with all the dimensions that we just talk, talked about. But beyond technology, there's more to it. I mean, regardless of the different stakeholders, there's two aspects i like to highlight in addition. One is, we need strong partnerships amongst customers, system integrators and suppliers. Because to achieve the outcomes that we're talking about, productivity, efficiency gains, cost reduction, et cetera, to create smart buildings, the trustful collaboration between all those stakeholders is essential. Technology will now help to turn down data silos between all the different trades in a building, but collaboration has to enable us to truly take benefit from it. Yeah, perfect. And just one more thing, because it's close to my heart, I believe, talent attraction, lifelong learning will be absolutely decisive as we go on that journey. There is an increasing scarcity of talent in both some of our key trades in the building, as well as for sure for IT and digital talent. So everyone in our industry needs not only to focus on attracting that needed talent, but we also need to focus on continuous lifelong learning. We all need to radically revisit our approach to learning to ensure that we master that journey that we're embarking on now.
0: I understand. Your first point, I I like that one very much because you mentioned a statistic before, the oil and gas industry uses 1% of the data that they collect to make decisions. Uh, You asked the question, what does it look like in our industry? I'd hate to know, but we're we're not going to get there if we don't collaborate and if we don't work together. And that links really nicely to your last point as well, that maybe we don't have the skills yesterday, maybe we do have them today, but we're going to have to continue to build our skill set to adopt this new technology because the technology itself doesn't do the work for us. We need to understand Mm -hmm. it and use it. Absolutely. Henning, thank you so much for your time and your insight. It was a pleasure.
1: Well, thanks so much, um, also, uh, John, for for having me today. I believe uh, we we, we have quite a challenge ahead of us, Um, but without a doubt, I believe it's worth it. It's worth it to deliver on the promise from a user point of view, supporting needs for health, comfort, safety. It's worth for businesses, um, as building technologies will have a measurable impact. And thirdly, it's really worth it as we have to address this vast number of inefficiently run buildings. This is our obligation, our opportunity to make a difference. So we we are ready and committed and above and beyond all, excited to embark on that journey jointly with our customers and looking forward to yeah making that real. Oh, Thanks perfect. for having me.
0: What, what a great way to finish. You know, n- not only do we need to do it, we have the skills, we have the opportunity, we're excited about it, and it's worth it because it's going to, it's going to pay off in the future. So perfect. Absolutely. Thanks very much, Henning, and thank you to everyone out there who's listening. Remember to like, share and comment on this episode, share it or subscribe with us and keep your eye out. There's going to be more conversations, we hope, with Henning and others in the future. Uh, So look out for that and we'll see you very soon. Thank you.